0: I'm excited to have two amazing gentlemen on our show today for the product innovation series. Uh, This is actually one of our very few rare times where we have both the founder of a company and um, the head of product join us at the same time. Uh, So we'll cover product and company growth from both perspectives. Uh, So I'm joined today by Ravi Swaminathan who has uh, spent 15 years in the semiconductor industry. Uh, he was the VP and general manager of SanDisk for five years, and he actively contributes his writing to Forbes Council and is also the CEO and founder of Task Human, a service that offers one-on-one sessions with live wellness coaches via video call. And the other guest speaker that we have today is Seth Baron, uh, who actually joined Task TaskHuman uh, in 2021 as the head of product. Uh, Seth also teaches yoga, as an RYT 500 Certified Instructor in New York and he previously founded a consulting practice called One Deep Breath. Ravi, Seth, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you for awesome. having us.
2: It's really a pleasure.
0: Great, great. Um, I'll kind of just jump into it. The, the the first question I have is is really for, for Ravi. Uh, something came up in our um, conversation we had when we spoke last and you said that Task Human is Google for people. So I wanted to ask, what did you mean by that? And how did you arrive at that positioning?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Google. Uh, I think all of us are. It's one of the most amazing companies out there. And, you know, products ever invented, right? The simplicity of the user interface is amazing. I mean, it's just a box. <laughs> you go in and, you know, type uh, whatever is on your mind. And, and the amazing thing is they pretty much indexed entire written word, right? Anything that's been written. Uh, probably in any language has been indexed and it's now at your fingertips, and they get it to you in point zero 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 four seconds, or however fast that that works, right? Um, but you know, for all the advances that the internet has made, uh, and including amazing platforms like Google, you still find find it really hard to engage with people, right? Um, so it's one thing to say I want to learn yoga in Google, and then Google gives you amazing videos and articles that are instantly available. But if you want to find a yoga teacher and you you say yoga trainers near me, by the time you actually select somebody and call all of them and actually begin your session, it's going to be days, weeks, or months. It's just not easy, right? It's not anywhere near as instant as .004 seconds on that article that was whipped up for you. So we thought, man, in this day and age, you know, when you can get an Uber within three minutes of thinking you need an Uber, right? Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't even schedule anything anymore. You finished your meeting you're coming down the stairs that's when you open the app and go somebody pick me up in three minutes that's really the experience we wanted to bring uh, to you to help you find amazing experts in just a thousand different topics of work and personal life Uh, whether it's physical fitness and finding a yoga instructor and beginning a session literally in the next minute or um, pilates or mental well-being spiritual you know we have pastors ministers chaplains on the platform to life coaches to leadership coaches to sales coaches. What if we could make all of these coaches available to you that instantly when you want them globally, right? And and that's what human is. And we're inspired a lot by Google. We're inspired a lot by Uber. We're inspired a lot by Netflix because it's an amazing collection of movies all right there and waiting for you to watch it, right? So we kind of drew inspiration from all three of those platforms. And that's what Human is. It's the world's largest most comprehensive collection of coaches in just different walks of your life, and they're all available to you instantly via video call.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely something I'm going to be checking out myself very soon. Um, Ravi, um, when I'm sure, as like a as a founder, as a, as a founder and CEO, um, you've obviously had a very close uh, position and review of everything that task human has been building over the years, you know, from a product perspective. Um, so the next question I have is is really for Seth because there's always this dynamic in terms of like a CEO and founder who has a vision of a product and you know where, where it needs to go and how it's going to look and, you know, quite ha- being hands on. And then you have somebody like, you know, had a product like Seth coming on, um, and, and, and joining the reins and then trying to navigate, you know how how to succeed from kind of where where things were, were. So Seth, a question I have for you is what what was the product like when you when you arrived in, in, in your first in your first year in twenty twenty one.
2: So the product had already you know was achieving that sort of simple um, immediate access that Ravi had described. And I apologize for the puppy barking in the background. Classic, just you know timing. Um that's the moment he chooses to to bounce around like a little Asian puppy. Um, <laughs> so uh that's a product over which I don't have a lot of control despite my um best efforts to date. Um, so the product had, you know, this, this clarity of purpose that I found incredibly compelling. Um you know, I'd also spent a good long time of my career at Google. And so, you know, when I saw that there was both this, this like clarity of focus and this incredible breadth of scaled opportunity to solve what was an unsolved problem, right? How do you connect people who want to grow, learn, do, develop, and be better with people who know something about how to grow, learn, develop, and be better? And, um, you know, we think about that in the context of like how do we have the least amount of friction possible and how do we make those connections as easy as possible um so that and i think you know like that's that's one of the most um consistent areas of focus for us is that just that like ruthless simplification um and that laser focus on facilitating these connections right task human is like a human connection platform a human connection engine and there is something really magical that happens when you find that person who can can offer you that kind of support.
0: Right. That's and that's very interesting. And what was the first thing you took on uh when you became the product mm. lead?
2: Yeah. I I took a really deep dive into consumer experience. So how do we map out and how, do, how does a consumer discover and all the way through to that calling experience, step-by-step um, step, was one of the first things I really wanted to immerse myself in, um, both to just, <clears throat> excuse me, both to start from a place of that um, deep empathy for our, our for our consumers and our providers, right? So we think about users really expansively because we have both providers and consumers, right? Um, and think through just all of their different touch points through that experience from getting onto the app to finding the subject that you're looking for to how do you decide which of the coaches that could coach you on that subject is the right coach for you to making the call and what's our call experience and our post-call experience. How do we keep you engaged on the platform? Um, how do we make that provider experience as rich and exciting as possible? Um, so I really started thinking about it from that, from that user, from that experiential place.
0: And um, uh, one thing that was interesting when Ravi and I chatted before was when 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 you align on a product vision between, say, you know, as a founder and CEO who's been involved um, running the product, and then you have somebody like yourself, Seth, who comes on as like the head of product, how do you align on something that with specifically regarding the product vision that becomes so clear in terms of what you mm-hmm. have to do that? It just comes down to just the mechanics of it at the end of the day. And maybe I'll start off with you first, Ravi.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll also invite Seth to uh, pitch in here, right? Because this is the nuance at the end of the day. Um, I'm, a, I'm a crazy guy. Uh, I have crazy ideas and you know, uh, I want things done a certain way um and so and and because i was the sort of founder product guy as well right there are different kinds of founders some are more sales oriented some are marketing oriented some are engineering focused some are product focused i just happened to be the product focused uh founder and so uh when i was thinking about you know who i could partner with to to kind of let go it did need to be somebody who was really special Right, somebody who a could work with my crazy. At first, they had to be bald. I mean, as you can tell, <laughs> the, the in this company, you know, hair is not you know required. Uh, and so, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're welcome to join the team. That, right? But outside of that, uh, you know, it had to be somebody who had what I would think of as sort of ego-less development, right? Um, Because it is, you know, you have to make a lot of judgment calls, uh, as I'm sure your audience is keenly aware of, right? Product is equal art and it's science. There's definitely the science of product management and you can think about it and get user surveys and this and that. And then there's the art, which is informed by a lot by just gut feel, right? Sometimes you don't want to be asking your customers what they want because they'll tell you they want a lemon and an apple and orange all in one, right? And then you end up building a grapefruit anyway. So, So it has to be that combination of, Uh, Somebody who could, you know, come in and contribute to the process in an egoless way so that, you know, we can make collective decisions um, that are, you know, that are following both the science and the art, right? And so, so it had to be that sort of a special person that, you know, got along really well with me, was able to put up with my idiosyncrasies, work around, you know, me if needed, work with me if needed, right? Uh, and and Seth just happens to be that kind of guy, and you know brings real keen insight. You know, spent fifteen years at Google doing so many different things, um, and and had sort of that collaborative mindset in a high growth uh, company. And so it just was a perfect marriage, which is really what allows us to both you know yell at each other but still you know um, be able to get stuff done, right? And so so it does require that sort of special connection. And to be honest. I was not looking for a product manager when I brought Seth on, Seth was just somebody I wanted to work with. And then it also turned out that he was an amazing partner. So he started off in one place and I said, Seth, do you want to, you look like that rare unicorn that can actually work with me and and still evolve the product. And you know, do you want to take on product? And then he said, yes. And as they say, the rest is history, right? So it's sort of a very interesting way this worked out, but that's why it worked out. Yeah, I'll tell
2: it, I, think, I guess from my side, first of all, thank you for that, Ravi. And um, what I'll say is I think, you know, we had, even in our first conversation, like, we just had this immediate connection. Like, I, I, Ravi's vision resonated very powerfully for me as a as a professional and as a human being, honestly. Um, I think when you take these kind of jobs at startups, like, you know, it's, I think if you're going to do it great, it's got to be something that, like, is more than a paycheck, right? I mean, like, the, like keep the paychecks coming, but um, please, Robbie, please. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I also but, say but, please to our CFO. So exactly,
2: yeah. exactly uh, to our board of directors and all of our investors. Thank you. Um, really, though, that these these kinds of roles, and I think for your audience too. You know, I didn't set out to, and when I started looking for the next phase of my career, I didn't have like a title in mind and say this is. You know, it had to be this. Um, I had reached out to a mentor and said, I'm really interested in this, in what I think is this big opportunity at the intersection of wellness and technology, because that was really authentic to my lived experience, right? I spent 15 years in technology. I walked away from a little, for a little while to go really deep into study of a totally different kind of technology, this technology and this technology and yoga. And then I, I really thought to myself, how do I put all that together in this next phase of my career? And when Ravi and I connected, I was so compelled by the vision of task human about this is such a big problem to solve Um, and it's so multifaceted but we can have such a clarity of focus in 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 that the modality we're focused on is coaching and that we can have that laser focus while still having a reach that's so broad because of the different ways in which that can be delivered against the different kinds of subject areas that can be delivered there's very few opportunities out there that that would be so compelling and um and so i would say that you know really i think it and there is a big part of it that is just a it is a personality fit right like for, you know you've got a you're making a commitment right like this is i didn't want to take this on i didn't take this on you know as like a as like i'll do this for a year and then move on to the next thing like you know ravi and i had a pretty you know it's not it's not a it's not a blood oath and it's not cast in stone but um I think, you know, he said, we're building a platform to sustain for the long term. And I wasn't interested in a flash in the pan. I wanted to be part of a team that was going to build something that was going to sustain and make a really positive impact in people's lives and in so doing, hopefully, maybe make the world a little bit better along the way. And that doesn't have to come at the expense of commercial success, right? Mm-hmm. But we can, It is both true that we can make the world of hopefully a little bit better place by improving people's daily personal and professional lives and have commercial success right those two things can coexist and that's also a rare opportunity but it aligned to my values in a really compelling way and so it's the sun and the moon and the stars definitely have to be aligned for that and you and there is that personality fit too um and in in this case it's it's been an amazing you know it's been an amazing year plus and i i still feel like we're just getting started in like the most exciting way
0: that's amazing um Ravi, you mentioned something about, you know, customers want an apple, orange, and then you get a grapefruit. And my next question, it's a follow-up to that that uh, statement, is you never ask what customers want, if I recall correctly, is what you said to me before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so give you a
1: controversial statement.
0: There we go. So, so why? And Uh, a follow-up question is why do you think maybe this one is for you Seth why do you think so many product leaders misunderstand this principle
1: yeah I mean obviously it's a nuanced comment right Uh, you don't want to be not asking your customers what they want but I think um, you know in in reality you can definitely ask people what they want uh, depending on the kind of business right Uh, you know I'm sure your audience is all the way from you know widgets to you know complex software to just different things B two B right um, different product managers. Uh, we are a B two B to C business. Our fate is decided not just by the buyer of the product, but by the actual employees of different companies that use this product, right? And so, um, because this is meant for personal well being and personal coaching, and so you know ultimately. Even though you know one of our customers is Zoom, and they'll buy this product. At the end of the day, if not enough employees are using it, uh, you know nobody's going to renew, right? And so we are sort of that B two B two C kind of model. In this model, I think that you know you certainly have the art and the science, as we talked about, right? The science is to do the survey and ask questions and things like that. The art is you know still more dominant, I would say, than the science, because if you ask enough people, you will get different opinions about what they want next. And so you can really get confused by that. Um, and so I think it's it's sometimes better to ask what people want, sort of like what Apple does, right? You know, you, you put something out there and then people vote on, you know, that feature and how they use it. And there is a you know, way that that goes about, right, without actually talking about what feature you're going to be putting out there. Right. And so so I think I'm more in that mold of, again, I'm not any expert in how Apple does their stuff. Right. But I'm more in the mold of, um, you know, be more gut focused. Right. You know, listen to your gut. You know, that's what got it started. Combine that with, you know, insights from how customers are using the app. Right. There's what people will tell you when you ask them a question and then there's what people actually do. So the nuance here is, you know, follow what people are doing, right? You know, so if you introduced a feature that was meant to uh, encourage consumers to watch more about me videos of the profile of the coach and, um, and people ask or told you, ask people, hey, what would you like to see in that video? And then not enough people are actually watching it. I'd rather follow what people are doing rather than what people are saying, right? So it's a little bit of that nuance that, you know, you ask for a controversial statement. We we talked about that, but that that's what I mean by follow what people are doing rather than ask what people want to do.
0: Amazing. And uh, Seth, that that question: Why do so many product leaders misunderstand this mm. principle?
2: Um, it's a great question, and I think I think there's a couple things. Um, sort of to Ravi's point that like, if you you know, it's easy to get lost in that. Sort of um, in the feedback loop, right? It's easy to get lost in like um, and and um, and you know each of us will come to that answer based on a set of lived experiences, some of which we know, most of which we don't know. And that's why this idea of sort of watching what people do more than what they say is something that we think about a lot. And you know, there's all like any big product innovation. Um, requires, frankly, it requires a big creative leap of faith. If you think about um, even the iPod, right? If I keep, if I use another Apple example, right? Like there were already MP3 players in the market, right? There, like there were other devices available. There were other software platforms available, but Apple took an intuitive leap Toward that vertically integrated solution, and that with that again, that like maniacal drive to simplicity of experience, that it just worked. Yeah. And no, and if you would ask people, I don't know if they would have been able to articulate that, right? If you'd ask the general consumer, even a even a diehard music lover, I don't know if they would have been able to to conceptualize that. That was the brilliance of Steve Jobs, right? That he really did have that kind of um, vision. And so I think it's. I guess what I would say is where I think a lot of product leaders get lost is, is is they get lost in the data and they don't effectively synthesize the insight. The data is just the observation. The insight is the understanding. So something that I think about all the time is like, how do I synthesize out the signal from the noise? How do you take all of this complexity that you could be getting in terms of feedback and analytics and ideas internally externally and come back to sort of like source principle of like what is the thing we do at our most essential like at the core of the product how does does this idea move move consumers closer to that with less friction in more elegantly beautiful ways and the that, and so it's, I always think through decisions around prioritization like with that lens so I think it's really that it's, it's being unafraid to take a little bit of a creative leap of intuition that comes from, you know, again, like that synthesis of, of the why that's derived from all the what. Um, and, you know, and hopefully if you, you know, hopefully you get it right. And then if you don't to figure that out quick and be nimble. And to have no ego around your own rightness that's the other the last thing i'll say too it's really easy to get caught in as a product leader as a ceo as a a leader in any capacity of like i like and this is something i admire very deeply about ravi who has you know as an ego of this leader himself right we i think and try to have a culture where you know all i know is the best i've figured out so far and that's not like a canonically right answer That's just the best we've got today, October 6th, that whenever we're recording this podcast (laughs) and that tomorrow, maybe we'll have a better answer. Hopefully we will. And I think that when you take that on as a product leader to have that, to cultivate that sense of humility, it gives you the space to then, um, make those intuitive leaps, but also, um, like, you know, if you're going to fail, fail fast.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, That's very interesting. And, um, I wanted to ask, you touched upon something there that I wanted to explore a bit more is something around like um, when building product you know there's so many things to consider you know there's the data there's the insight that you got to derive from it but uh, the most successful products that are in the market and industry are the ones that are like simple to use intuitive enough Mm -hmm. you know and allow you as a user to get from point A to point B you know efficiently and successfully in certain scenarios that might require taking things off the product in order to simplify that, right? Yeah. So uh, my question is, h- how do you know or how do you decide when a certain feature mm-hmm. is good enough to ship versus it needs more work?
1: Yeah, I, mean,
2: I would I'll say, say if- go will go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go
0: ahead.
2: Yeah. I'll start and just say like one of the one of the, the things I look for all the time is like, are we adding or removing friction? Right. If we're removing friction, then even if it's not everything we ever wanted it to be, but it's a, but it's like it's strong and we really believe it's removing that a sense of friction and experience, then I say like go for it. Mm-hmm. If it's so complex, or if if the problem if that like zoomed in piece of the problem you're trying to crack, if you haven't figured out a way to do it that's removing complexity, then I'm gonna say we're gonna we're gonna want to. Take another cycle to think that through, right? So I think it's like one litmus test for that is is again like are we adding friction, or are we removing friction? And if it's removing friction, ship it. If it's adding friction, we better think about why.
1: Yeah, I think that's spot on. That's you know flavor of that is exactly what I was going to say, which is uh, that's the litmus test of a feature, right? Are you is it something that the customer is now going to find value in right and you know is is going to now go oh my god the product just became that much better because now I'm able to do this faster right or or this new thing that I wasn't able to do or you know is this you know feature actually you know requiring training and you know requires a little bit of brain power to use this thing which is extra learning cycles for the customer right which is you know something that most people don't have these days right mm-hmm. So that's that's also a lens in which to look at it which is you know is it a such a new feature like if you're going to make the ipod more complex then you know uh, because it's now doing one more thing right maybe you were just listening to songs and now you know you're now going to also use that as a doorbell you know so now <laughs> you've added another feature which you know you have to train the user on right and so i think you know Having the core functionality and then removing friction is is just beautifully put, and that's sort of our barometer for stuff. That being said, you know, just to be real, as a startup, we make tons of mistakes, right? I mean, you know, we we go through two to three week type of sprints, uh, which means every four weeks we're releasing new software to the Apple App Store and Google Play Store with the app, and that's a pretty fast uh, paced, breakneck cycle of product development. And, and sometimes we do introduce a feature that, you know, maybe is a little bit more friction than, you know, what we thought, but we quickly work on the next sprint and then remove the friction in the process, right? So, so our hope is that net-net, we're really balancing that addition of the feature, and then, you know, uh, in totality, it's removing, you know, friction in what used to be the larger user experience.
0: Awesome. Um, last question I have for the both of you is around biases and decision making there's a whole slew of different biases Um, what have you seen in your time and product that um, you would recommend to the people listening to help prevent to help prevent them from making these classic maybe unknown mistakes to them
1: that I know you're dying to go. You're super passionate about this, so I'm going to let you do know this.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, bias is. I mean, look, we're human beings, so the first thing to acknowledge is that every single one of us has bias. Like, there, there's no such thing. And like, I think there's this myth of objectivity and technology, right? Like, there's this myth that like, oh, if it's an algorithm, then it must be objective. But. It's not because it's coded by a human being and there's a whole set of of assumptions and decisions that have been made to get to the point of what that the output of what that algorithm will deliver that has bias implicitly coded within it. So the first acknowledge the first thing to acknowledge is that humility is that is the humility that none of us are without bias. And then from there, there's some space to then examine like your individual biases. So like I have a bias because I'm bald headed and English is my native language. You know, like, I I can't change those things. But what I can do are things that are like to interrupt that to say if it's like if it's a language feature, for example, we were going to really build and scale that up is to then start to then actually ask people who like that's where user feedback can be super valuable when it's really intentional because you're interrupting a sense of your own bias. So what I would say, like, the first thing is just get present to your own biases and like. Without judgment, without—I um, know it probably sounds too yogi now, but—but um, <laughs> but really, with, like that, it's not good or bad. It just is, right? I'm a six-foot-tall, bald-headed guy who lives in New York City, and I'm a native English speaker. All these inform my perspective. So, if there's other things that I need different perspective to, like, not assume I have to know, like, that's the freedom I'm speaking to. Is that like, well, I don't have to know everything. I just have to know enough to know that I don't know and then I can go find other perspectives to inform a decision. Um, but I think where people get trapped is they either assume objectivity where it doesn't exist, and then they're not willing to sort of be be clear and present to their own bias in a way that then clouds their decision-making.
0: Amazing. Ravi, did you want to add to that or? Did no, that... I think it's well-, uh, well yeah Yeah. okay awesome um thank you thank you ravi Seth. so much for your thanks you so much for your time your wisdom i really enjoyed this uh, specific episode i think it was very enlightening to other listeners who is a ceo or a product leader you know this uh synergy you guys have is uh is fantastic um and thank you always to our listeners and tune in for the next episode coming soon to you